Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. Well, after taking a brief break last week for Father's Day, which we love, thank you uh, wives and moms and sisters and, and sisters in the Lord for celebrating us guys last week. That was fantastic. Now we're right back to our topic of gifts. And you know how I feel about gifts. I love presents. I love gifts. Why? Because they're mine. Mine. All mine. But that's not how it is with spiritual gifts. Remember, just even a couple weeks ago, we were talking about spiritual gifts and how they're different from normal presents. When someone gives me a gift, uh, by very definition, that gift is in for me if I receive it. Spiritual gifts, however, are very different. Last time, we, we worked through a whole list of gifts that were found over in the books of Corinthians. This time, we're in Romans, same author, Paul, the same author, obviously, the Holy Spirit. But he is defining for us and demonstrating a new list of gifts. There's a number of lists all throughout the New Testament. This is just another one. But with these two lists, we've covered a majority of the more important gifts. This is probably the, the focus that we're going to give. So as we're unpacking these gifts, we need to understand that they are not for us. They're not like normal gifts. These gifts come from the Holy Spirit. And by, by definition of what a spiritual gift is, it is a manifestation it is a public demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit in and through a believer. Why? To build the church together, to build the church up, and to point to Jesus. This is why the gifts are given. Always to build the church together and always to point to Jesus. And we talked about last time, and of course this time as well, that these gifts are given, they are very user-specific. The Holy Spirit, we read last time, talked about how the Bible talked about how he specifically determines which gift he's going to give Danny. And the gift he gives Danny not only is for Danny, it's for the whole church. And not only is it for the whole church, but it is meant to work well, jive well to the gift God has given me. And the gift God has given us is to jive well because this is the body that he has placed us in with the gift that he has given Mitchell. And these gifts will jive well and grow. And, and the explosion of spiritual power that will happen because of this conglomeration, this, this beautiful portrait of gifts that God has created here. And you just saw over 40 brand new gifts that God is adding to the mix Adding to the picture, clearly, God has something big in store for our church. So we're going to dig into the passage, understand, first of all, what about gifts is so important and why we are to invest them and, and pour them back into the church. But then we're literally going to go through a new list, words and gifts that we didn't talk about last time. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Romans, chapter 12. We're going to start with verse 3. Uh, you can follow up on the screen if you'd like. If you have your phone, you can aim it at the QR code, pull up the Bible text, the sermon notes, or maybe, maybe you have an old-fashioned Bible with you. That, that works, obviously, as well, too. Romans chapter 12, let's start in verse 3. Let me just read a little bit about, about where we're going with this and understanding that in all of this, the gifts and the, 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 the working out of the gifts and the, and the dramatic results from using our gifts, it is not, it is not, it is not, about you or me. Look at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, 
not just the super spiritual, not just the holy ones, not just the ones that show up every week, but to each one of you. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. So let's just stop right there and understand this part where God is reminding us, the Holy Spirit is reminding us through the writer Paul, that it is not about you, it is not about me, it is not about the individual. Think about, think about church for a minute, the, the, the gathering that we have, whether you come on Saturday evening or Sunday morning or you're, you're watching us online. What, a part, what part about that gathering is important to you? Why, do you? why do you come and take part in a church activity or specifically a weekend worship service? Well, for some people, they come because that experience is kind of like a clinic, a health clinic, a, even a hospital for them. They're hurt, they're damaged, they're, they're, they're broken, Maybe they're sick on the inside, their spirit, their heart is sick. And by coming, God puts spiritual salve on that wound and, and brings healing to their heart, to their spirit, sometimes even to their physical body. Just being around other believers, that, that worship time, the, the word spoken that cuts right to the heart, that brings the healing they're looking for. For other people, it's a time to come and recharge. Uh, we just saw Pastor Phillips' charging station in his kitchen. Imagine this building as a huge charging station. We, for, for some folks, they come and they, they plug in to a time of Bible study. They plug in to the word being preached. They plug in to a time of worship. They plug in to a time of fellowship and, and, and community prayer. And that recharges them and, and energizes them to go out for another week out in that crazy world. And then for other people, they come together because they just need to sit and soak. They've had a tough life. <laughs> Things have been hard lately. They've been battered and beaten up and, and they just drag their weary souls through the door and they just need to sit and to soak. For all of these reasons, and I'm, I'm not discrediting any of those by any means because at any given time, any of those would apply to any one of us, but for those reasons, the danger is if it's just for that reason or we stay too long in that one particular, the focus remains on us, what I need and the pains I have and what I hope to get out of this and, and what the preacher is going to say to me, what the Bible study is going to say to me, what the worship speaks to me, if it's the songs that I like or the songs that I don't like. All of those things are very me-focused. We view and we judge all of the activities of church in terms of how they serve me, how they help me, how they please me. But what does God's word say? We just read it in verse 5. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. If you were to dig into that word in the original language, that word belong, me, belong together, it means we are one together. Now we just said that sometimes if we're left to ourselves, we would tend to look for things that feed us, help us, serve us. We're just looking out for Number one, God's word just said, good, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Look out for number one. But here's the deal. You ain't number one. We together are number one. That is exactly what God's word is saying to us. Together, those gifts, you think that's by accident? God chose 
specifically those 40 plus folks. Oh, I didn't even talk about, we're having baptism today. There's even more out there to be baptized and a few more on Thursday. God is moving all over the place. You think that's by accident? He brought those specific gifts at this specific time just so we can feed each one individually? What are we, Starbucks? No, God is doing this because we are one and we're feeding together. The crazy thing is, Folks want to grow, and they, they want to get stronger. They want to get re-energized and recharge their spirit. The crazy thing is, the best way to grow as a Christian, the best way to grow in your faith is not to focus on yourself. The best way, the fastest way to grow is when we pour into and we help someone else grow in their faith. That's when we grow the fastest. God is calling us, look at verse 3, another reminder of why we are in this together. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly. That's a problem that some of us have. We come in, we, we think it is about us because, well, in today's society, in today's culture, out there in the world, we are accustomed to that, whether it's a, a business or a restaurant or, 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 or a, some kind of service uh, industry there trying to feed us and please us. But it is not about us. He says, do not think more highly or over and above or more than you ought to think about yourself because if you do then the focus clearly goes to yourself it is if i'm going to use my gifts here then it better be according to my schedule if i'm going to invest my gifts here then it better be in the way i want to do it if i'm going to invest my gifts here it better be my way or i head for the highway if i'm going to invest my gifts here it is on my schedule on my time frame and god says no we are the one that we are investing in. Think in the, in the good, the proper, the appropriate way about yourself. I think this is a very timely and, uh, uh, time for us to talk about this. This is not some veiled attempt by the pastor to, to force more folks into volunteering in the church. We got a bunch of holes we need to fill and we need some more warm bodies to fill these holes. Not at all. This is much bigger. We believe God is doing something. That rumbling that many of us are feeling just below the surface is about to explode. And if we are to be a part of what God is clearly preparing and what he has in mind to do in our future right here in Cape Coral, we must, church family, we must focus on the one and not on the individual. We need every gift that God has given us. So let's start talking about these gifts. The, the list I'm going to read through right now, and, and then we're going to divide that list into two groups. The first group are those gifts that are a little bit more upfront, not necessarily, but normally, uh, generally, they're a little bit more upfront gifts. And then the second group are gifts that are maybe a little bit more behind the scenes. Why are they divided that way? Well, because we are different. Some, some feel very comfortable up front or leading a group or speaking to more than one person. Other people, that would, that would be a nightmare for them. But that's okay. God knows you. The Spirit of God knows you. So he places a gift in you that not only matches, not only matches his plan and his purpose for your position, but also to the way you're wired. God is so beautiful and loving that way. And so let's focus on each of these. And one more little side note here. As we're going through these gifts, maybe you've already discovered your gift. It was in the list from two weeks ago. Why am I listening now, Pastor? I know where I am. I know what my gift is. Listen carefully. God has placed these gifts. Can you imagine if our church began living out ministry and living out life according to the way God originally intended a church to function, not with, not with worldly tools, 
old-fashioned tools that churches have been using for centuries, but the original power tools of the Holy Spirit, what God could do. And that's why it's important to listen to every single one of these gifts to understand who you're working with and with whom God has placed you in his kingdom and in his church. So let's look at the first one. This is one of the upfront gifts is right there in, uh, in verse 6. Let me go ahead and read all the verses. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, lead diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's the long list we're going to go through. And to save a little time, I'm actually going to skip over the first one, prophecy, only because we just talked about it two weeks ago. I highly recommend, if you haven't had the opportunity to see that, that message as we work through the gifts over in the book of Corinthians from, from Paul, please take a few minutes and, and check out that video. It's right there on our YouTube channel. And you can see that prophecy uh, has a huge role in that, but we've talked about it. But to save time, let's jump right on to teaching, another one of the upfront gifts. So teaching. Why is this a gift? Is teaching a gift or is it a profession? We have a lot of professional teachers in our church family. Or is it, is it a skill that we work on and we hone and we practice until we're good at it? Well, maybe it's all three. But if you have this gift of teaching, like the Bible talks about, number one, you have a deep love for the scriptures. I mean, you love to read God's words, you love to open up God's word, you love to understand and, and, and pull every bit of meat out of God's word that you can, but not just that. It is also important for you to take that knowledge, that information, that wisdom that you've gleaned from God's word, and it is very important for you to transmit that in some way, maybe up front in front of a whole group of folks, or maybe kind of one-on-one -on -one with someone personally to someone else. It is not about how much you know, but how good you are at helping others know what you know. Oftentimes, this gift is tied to maturity. If we were to read over in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, uh, Paul's given the church kind of a hard time, says, hey, listen, by now, by now, you should all be teachers, and yet, you still need someone to teach you. So he's saying, with time, with experience, with, with opportunity here in the family of God, we should all grow to be able to have the ability to share information with others that are not on our same level. This is a perfect example of why, of why we're a body. This gift, this one gift teaching for, for us right here in New Hope is a perfect example of why we need, we need the gifts, Every one of those 40 plus folks, plus all the ones here, we need all these gifts. I think we're missing out on some of our teachers, because here's the deal. Some of us learn really well when, when a guy or a gal stands up in front of a room, in front of a crowd, and talks at them for 30 to 40 minutes. That's, that's their preferred style of learning, kind of the lecture style. Great, excellent, God bless you. Keep learning that way. The thing is, not everyone learns that way. Some people learn best in an interactive style kind of a Bible study. We call them belong groups, where you, you interact with the folks, smaller groups, circle, sitting together, sharing life, but also sharing God's word. And then other people learn best in a hyper-interactive learning experience, kind of one-on-one, -on -one, maybe two or three guys or gals together, digging into God's word, praying together, asking God to show them. Each one has their own style. So here's the deal. Each one of us who has a teaching gift has to ask God, 
am I to use that gift? And you might be looking at one particular example of that gift in the church, say, well, I can't do it like that, or I can't do it like that. I best not, I best not bring my gift because it doesn't look like everyone else's teaching gift. If you were to do that, you would be denying some of the folks in our church the opportunity to learn well. They don't learn well from that style. They would learn perfectly from your style. So, if God is calling you to this, dig in and invest with that gift. If not, some of our church family may be going hungry. Second upfront gift is a gift of encouragement. I love this one. In fact, I love anyone with the gift of encouragement. I just want to encourage the folks that have the gift of encouragement. I, I think it's really important. This, this is important, but, but what is the gift of encouragement? Is it just being a nice guy? Being a friendly person at work, always smiling, always telling jokes, always, always kind of rallying the troops and, and pepping everyone. Is this the eternal cheerleader in the group? Is that, is that all this encouragement is? It's that, but it's so much more. Sometimes it happens in the day. Sometimes as you're, as you're going about your day, sometimes it happens in front of a group. But here's what it is. It is to speak life, to speak hope, and to speak faith into those around you. Again, that might happen day to day with the, the gal at the checkout line, the, the, the guy that served you in the restaurant, your, your, your neighbor, just folks you run into, or, or it might be that God brings a name to your, to your heart, to your spirit, says, hey, what about John? What about Frank? What about Mary? And, and you reach out to them immediately. You text them, you call them, you go by and you visit and you, you, you talk to them. Hey, God's put you on my heart. I just want to come by and check in on you, see how you're doing because, because you're important to me. You see things that folks around you don't see. You are especially grateful. You are an especially appreciative person. You are thankful for what you have and, and you are secure in who you are. You are so secure that it is no problem for you to build up those around you. You do not have to be the center of attention. You do not have to be the center of the universe. You don't have to be the hero of every story. God uses you to build others around you up. And, and, and you love inspiring and inviting people to action. So teaching we just had, if teaching is informational, encouragement, or your Bible might say exhortation, encouragement or exhortation, that is inspirational. You are leading people to action. From, from up front, it, it looks a lot like preaching, passionate preaching as opposed to teaching. But personally, it is um, the word in the, in the old uh, language of the New Testament is parakaleo. And the picture is this. Para means to come alongside. So it's as if you were to come alongside someone, kind of put your arm around them, put your mouth up to their ear and whisper words of strength and power and encouragement into their ear. Parakaleo, that's what the word means. So, so when you are encouraging someone, you are coming alongside them, kind of putting your arm around them, and you're speaking words of, true, of, of, of power and strength and encouragement into their ear, into their heart. The biblical example of this, obviously, is the Holy Spirit. Parakaleo is our word today. Paraklete is the biblical word for the Holy Spirit. He is the advocate, the one who comes alongside of us and empowers us. And so that's the, the best example. But another one is this guy named Barnabas. His very name means the encourager. He was on a, a missionary trip with Paul. 
and this young guy named John Mark. John Mark kind of wimped out about halfway through the journey uh, for whatever reason. It was just too much for him, uh, too far. Maybe he missed his mommy. We don't know. But at some point he said, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. And he goes back home. Barnabas continued to pour into this guy. Barnabas, the encourager. He continued to encourage the guy. He continued to, to train and mentor the guy. A little bit later, they're getting ready to go out on another journey. Barnabas says, hey, hey, let's go ahead and take John Mark. I think he's ready now. I've been kind of pouring into him, getting him ready, strengthening him. I think he's ready. He needs another challenge. Paul, the eternal hothead, bull in a china shop, says, forget it. That guy's an idiot. He whipped, you know what happened last time? You want that to happen again? This is serious business here. I ain't going if John Mark's going. And so the two of them, they split ways. But Barnabas stuck with John Mark. He poured into him, took him along on missionary journeys. This same John Mark that, 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 that Barnabas continued to pour into later in Paul's ministry, at the very end of his life, you know what he said about John Mark? He was in a really tough bind. And he wrote back and said, hey, I'm in a really tough bond. I really need help. I need someone. I need just the right guy. And you know who just the right guy is? That guy, John Mark. He would be of great worth to me right now. Could you send him to me? This same John Mark that Paul didn't want to take in, but Barnabas poured into, John Mark is the guy that wrote the gospel of Mark in our Bible that we read thousands of years later. Why? Because Barnabas encouraged him and poured into him the power of a word spoken into our heart, a power of encouragement spoken into our hearts will change the trajectory of a life. We need more encouragers in our church. Third gift, this kind of an upfront gift, is the gift of leading. If you're a leader, lead diligently. What is leading? Well, leading the word literally means in the Bible sense to, to stand uh, before or even stand ahead of. So you're asking yourself, well, am I a leader? Real simple. Look behind you and see if anyone's following. <laughs> if not, you're probably just out for a walk. <laughs> if you were a leader, however, you you see things, you, you, you know things. If you have the gift of leadership, people are just naturally attracted to you. They, they want to connect with you, but even more than connecting with you, they want to connect with what you're about, what you believe in, what you're working towards. Leaders, they see how things could be. Leaders, they see how things should be. They see things that aren't yet there. They see broken and unproductive things, and they are compelled to involve themselves in those things to bring order out of chaos. They, 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 they can paint a picture of how things should be, of how God wants to do things, and they have a very strong desire to bring others around them along on the same journey that they are going on. But there are costs of leadership. Being a leader is not easy. In fact, it's lonely at times because oftentimes a leader, he or she, is given a picture from God, a, a word from God, a, a direction from God, a, a, a vision of what they're to do, and they have to, by very definition, take that first step. They have to step out in faith, bringing others along with them. When you're stepping out by yourself, it is lonely. You are all by yourself. No one else understands what you are feeling. No one else sees yet what you are already seeing, so oftentimes you're by yourself. Second danger is the danger of becoming a, a drill sergeant, a, a general patent kind of a my way or the highway kind of a guy or kind of a gal. That is not at all the biblical 
picture of a leader. In fact, the, the very essence of a leader is Jesus Christ, and he was a servant leader. You might remember the story uh, back in the Gospels uh, where the guys were arguing with each other about who was going to be the greatest. Remember, they're heading to Jerusalem, so in their minds, they're thinking, okay, this is it. Jesus is going public. He's going to take over the the kingdom, and and he's, of course, on the throne because, well, he's Jesus, but I bet I'll be on his right side, and okay, you can have the left side. That's that's what they're arguing about, and so they're thinking, well, it's probably going to be Peter. He's the greatest because he always has the biggest mouth, or or maybe it's going to be Judas because he's allowed to carry the money, so I guess everyone trusts him the most. Maybe he's the greatest, so they're arguing, Jesus said, what are you guys arguing about? They wouldn't say a word. They were embarrassed that they were even talking about this kind of thing. Jesus said, here's the deal. Any one of you, any one of you that wants to be a leader, before you're a leader, you need to be a servant. Of course, Jesus then demonstrated that very carefully later, just not even a few hours after that, when he washed their feet as their leader. Leader, Leaders need to understand that they are a servant leader. And then another danger or cost is this that they, as a change agent, they are taking all of the hits. Leaders, again, by very definition, you are leading people to change. Here's the thing about change. People really, really, really hate change. Trust me, I'm a pastor of a small church. I know how much people hate change. So if you were a leader... You are the one, in their eyes, making them change. So all the tomatoes, all of the stones, all of the frustration is going to be thrown your way. Even if it's God who is leading you, you are bringing the change. So change agents will take all the hits. But how does God tell us to lead? He says, with diligence. This is beautiful. He doesn't say with vision. He doesn't say with passion. He doesn't say with creativity. He doesn't say with power. He says with diligence. This is a very different word in our, um, our, our practice rehearsal and, and, and preparation times as a mission team. I've told you we're heading to Panama. In just a few weeks now, our team gets together. In fact, this Tuesday, we're meeting again. And one of the things that we've said to each other is we as a mission team, we as missionaries heading on the mission field, this is to be our posture the entire time we're on the mission field. I told him to, to get on the spiritual balls of your feet. Be a forward-leaning missionary, ready to respond, ready to react, ready to, to, to help or to serve at, a, at the drop of a hat, at a moment's notice, at the first request of, of one of the other missionaries or one of the folks we're serving over there. This is the picture of what a leader is to be. On the ball of your feet, diligent, zealous is the translation in the original language, be zealous and leaning into that which God is calling you to lead. So those are the more upfront gifts. Let's transition now to the more behind-the-scene gifts. Number one, serving. Well, we all serve. And in fact, if I had to brag on any church I've ever been a part of, I've been a part of a lot of them. I've been in ministry for 35 years now. I know. I'm not even even blowing smoke here. I really mean it. This church has more true servants than any church I've ever seen. No matter how early I come for an event or an activity at church, I am never the first one here. Someone always beats me here to do stuff, to get ready. And if they're through doing stuff and serving and getting ready, their first question is, hey, pastor, what do you need? How can I help? What needs to be done? So I want to bless you for already being servants. So is that what it means that we all just serve? 
But I think some of us have a special gift for that. God calls it the gift of serving. And if that is your gift, then he calls us to serve. Why? Yeah, sure, all of us can help in a pinch. All of us can lend a hand. We're nice Christian folk. But you, you find joy in that. When you serve, your heart lights up. You find more delight and less drain. If you see something, you do something. Sure, other people will see something, but when you see what other people don't always see, you are compelled to respond, and you are compelled to get involved. But servers, there is a danger. Let me give you a couple tips. Number one, don't under-spiritualize serving. I've heard it over and over again here and other places. Oh, I, 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 just, I just clean up around the church, or I, I, I just work in the kitchen, or I just help out with the kiddos out back, or I'm, I'm just, on the, just on the security team. I, I don't do anything spiritual like that. Are you kidding me? Of all the projects, of all the activities, of all the work there is to do in a church family, not just this building, but our family in general, the standing up in front of folks and talking is such a small piece compared to all the hours of activity of serving. That is a huge piece. So God is calling us to, to embrace that and to, to grab that. And then uh, also I believe that God is calling us to embrace your gift over in Acts chapter 6. Uh, there was a calling of the first deacons. And that word deacon is the same word here for servant, serving and serving. So, so they were calling the deacons. Why? Well, because the guys up front preaching and teaching and, and prophesying and kind of more the upfront gifts, they said, we can't leave this ministry of upfront gifting to go and serve tables. Let's call some guys specifically suited for, gifted for serving tables. Beautiful. Worked out great. Everyone was happy except for me. What's the matter with these guys? We just said that serving, Jesus himself said that serving is the greatest thing. You must, if you want to be the greatest, you got to be the servant of all. Why didn't these guys run to service if they were given? If serving is so great, why don't the guys up front want to serve? Here's the deal. It's not about which gift is the biggest or the best or the greatest. The question is, which gift is yours? Which gift is yours? And whatever that gift is, run with it. All right, you ready for the fun one? The next behind the scene gifts is this one. Giving. Well, you thought the one a couple weeks ago about speaking in tongues was rough. This is a rough one. No one wants to talk about giving in church. It makes us uncomfortable, especially if we're talking about me giving my stuff away, because that's, that's exactly what the word means. Metadidomai is, is a Greek word, and it means to, to change the ownership of something. That's exactly, this is huge. When we give, we are changing the ownership, because here's the deal. Sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll pull out the money. Sometimes we'll write the check. Sometimes we'll, we'll hit send on the online giving button. But that money may go, but our hand is still holding tightly to that money. And we're thinking about how much we gave away. And, oh, my goodness, are we going to make it to the end of the month? And next month, I hope I'm not so stupid I do that again because I put my entire family in jeopardy. This is letting go. This is allowing God to do his thing. Uh, there are some folks that have a supernatural gift uh, to, to generate wealth and then give large chunks of that wealth to God. Money makes us all uncomfortable. It makes us tense up. But if you are willing to allow God to use this gift in your life, 
I know that it will change you. We, we challenge leaders to lead. We challenge servers to serve. Why can't we challenge givers to give? The Bible says to give and to give generously, not, not large amounts, but generously. The widow's might was a generous gift. It's not if you have money. The question is, does your money have you? When God calls us to give generously, what does he mean by generously? Is that the word that means, it, it literally means simply. Give simply, not, not folded up or complex is the, is the Greek word. So give simply. They discover that if people just simply give, they tend to be more generous. So the word actually changed its definition. There is a huge benefit with this gift that we don't see in any of the other gifts. This gift is freedom. Those that have this gift and have the ability to give away large amounts of what they own, they have won the battle with materialism. They have won the battle with money, and they have released that which they have, and they are free. These are some of the most spiritually free people in the entire church. And then the final gift. Let's talk about mercy. We're all supposed to be merciful. We love this about God. He is a merciful God. But what does it look like if it's a gift? It is kindness it is a goodwill towards the afflicted and the hurting, but with a desire to relieve that pain. It's not just an emotion. It's not just compassion, but a strong desire to, 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 to take action and change that situation. You, if you have this gift, you see a need. And then secondly, you move towards that need. And then finally, you move to the need, and you begin to change things. You are drawn to the hurting. You are drawn to those who are in pain. You position yourself near the broken ones. And the Bible, we love those stories where, where Jesus comes, and in a moment, in an instant, he works a miracle and changes that person's life, leads that person to faith. That is beautiful. We love that. But today, in our world, in, in our Cape Coral world, Far more often, we see this kind of life change, radical transformation spiritually, even physically, over months and sometimes years of walking with someone through layers of pain and hurt. Jesus always saw those in pain. Our mercy gifting people, our presence in a place of need is more powerful than a thousand sermons. Where would this be lived out? Let me just give you a few examples. In a local missions context, if this is your gift, talk to Pastor Matt. He'll, he'll put you right to work. Benevolence ministry, talk to our deacons. Homeless ministry, foster care ministry. And you know what one of the best places for a person with a mercy gift is? To join our greeter team right out front. And here's why. Because you're going to see things that the rest of us won't see. Some guy, some guy will walk by 10 of us and we'll shake their hands, we'll smile at them because we're nice, friendly Christian folk. That's what we do. But you're going to see something. You're going to feel something. And you're going to go up to that guy, you're going to go up to that girl and you're going to start a conversation. And you're going to start investing and pouring into connecting at a heart level with someone that we would have said hi to and never thought of again. This is where we need you. 
All right, folks, that was a quick rundown of the gifts from this particular list. We had the list from before. What do we do with this? In closing, let me try to, let me try to give you a very practical next step. All right, you ready? We're going to see three uh, circles up on the screen. The first circle looks like this. It is our affinity. Affinity means our, our likes, what we're drawn to, uh, our preferences. What? Think about it for a second. As we look through this list of gifts from this week and, and two weeks ago, what are we naturally drawn to of all the gifts we've talked about? What, where do I find myself just naturally pulled? I have a, a feeling for, an attraction to, an affinity to. We combine that with, second, our ability. Maybe you have some natural talents, uh, singing or, or cooking or, or just uh, working with kiddos. You're just wired that way that you love kids. You, you have an ability to transmit godly information from God's word at a, at a five-year-old level, at a 10-year-old level. God's gifted you that way. What are your abilities? And then the third circle is this, affirmation. Where have folks around you, here in the church family, where have folks around you affirmed that in you? Wow, I saw how you, I saw how you worked with the teenagers last week. That was incredible. I, I, I've never related to them, even with, even with my own kids. But to see you out there relating to this, they just flock to you. They're, they want to be with you. That's, that's beautiful. That's affirmation. So you take these three circles and you find right in the middle, that is your gifting. That is your sweet spot. That may be, that may be the gift that God is calling, that God has given you and calling you to invest in the church. Folks, here's the deal. Let me give you an example. You know, I like boats, and I could talk about boats all day. But there's one part of a boat that's super important. In fact, without it, you're not going anywhere. And the deal is no one ever sees it because it's in the water. It's called the rudder. The problem with the rudder is you can turn it all day long. The captain can be turning right and left all day long. You ain't going nowhere. The only reason that rudder decides direction is when there is water passing under the hull. The water passing by the rudder is what decides what direction that boat is going to go in. Only when that boat is underway can you determine its destination. This is a word from God. Start moving. Pray and jump in. That little circle thing might give you a head start on where you may try first. If the first try doesn't work, try something else. But God is calling all of us to jump in and begin using our gifts. Get that boat moving and God will show you the direction your life is to take. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for our time together. Your word, your word about gifts and how important that is to not only understand what our gift is, but God, to live it out, not only here locally in our church, but God, in your kingdom that is being built right here all around us. Father, allow us the boldness to step out in faith and begin trying it until we get that affirmation from you and, and we're running full steam ahead in the gift that you have so carefully placed in each one of us. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. 
Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.